Hello, everybody. Steve Wollenhouse. I'm your host here on Anatomy of Success. Glad you joined us. To be more effective when disagreeing, do six things. That's what our topic will be this week. Glad you joined us. Let's get started. Welcome back again, everybody. I'm your host, Steve Wollenhouse, and this is Anatomy of Success, the podcast where we talk about my four tenets of equanimity, things I believe if we focus on each and every day, we elevate happiness and life satisfaction, and that's more satisfying work. Health, of course, top priority. Healthier relationships and healthy, intimate relationships. If you would, please subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, and then go over to weatherology.com. That's my company page. You'll grab the Weatherology mobile app. Hope you take advantage of that. And you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram on the top of my About Us page at weatherology.com. In a study at Yale University, graduate students were asked to rate their understanding of everyday devices, things like toilets and zippers. Next, they were asked to provide detailed explanations of how those devices operated. The vast majority of people were very ignorant in their ability to articulate the mechanics of how those basic everyday household items worked. That effect is called the illusion of explanatory data. People believe that they know way more than they do. So does that sound familiar? Yeah, look on social media any given day or in the news. People talking about things they profess to know so much about. The experts on every tenuous topic confronting us today. The problem is, no, most people, and I mean most people, don't have any aptitude whatsoever in these things that they're talking about. So in 1975, researchers at Stanford University assembled a group of undergraduate students to participate in a study on suicide. They were given two sets of suicide notes. One had composed by a random individual. The other one was composed by a person who actually committed suicide, sadly enough. The students were then asked to determine which note was real, authentic, or which one was fake. Half the students were told they were unbelievably accurate. The other half were told they were absolutely wrong. In the follow-up study, students that believed they were accurate demonstrated certainty in their ability to ascertain what the truth was in their opinion. Now, that is something psychologists call confirmation bias. It's the tendency people have when they believe information that supports their assumptions is accurate and they reject information that contradicts with their opinion. And that's part of the danger of what's happening in our world today. People have confirmation bias, whether it's about vaccines, race or any other topic that's causing division today. People are concrete and absolutely certain that what they believe is the absolute truth. And those are just several reasons why arguing is kind of an effort in futility, in my opinion. We seldom change a person's mind, number one, and often make an enemy in the process, number two. So it's far better to learn to disagree and communicate respectfully. Can't do that with strangers all the time, but in our personal relationships, in our intimate relationships, two of my tenets of equanimity, we have to focus on learning to appreciate another person's opinion and respect them. Christopher Buckley said this, that's the beauty of argument. If you argue correctly, you're never wrong. So here are six ways that we can argue less and communicate more productively.
Number one, we have to be open. We see this with political candidates. All horrible examples of how to communicate effectively. Most oftentimes, people with an opinion defend it without searching for clarification or more information. Instead, they focus on their rebuttal. They're sitting there anxiously awaiting to pounce on the competition the minute they close their mouth. We are too busy trying to win and we don't listen to understand. Pushing our point of view leads to conflict. Listening with an open mind helps us seek the truth, something each party can learn to do, find consensus, common ground, and be open-minded. Next, we have to be ethical. When we focus on being honest, having integrity, and maintaining our character, we resist stretching the truth to justify our opinions or our position on something. At the same time, we don't embellish or misrepresent someone else's point of view. Being reasonable is often reciprocated, ironically. There are certain rules that should be mutually respected when two people have a confrontation. Being honest and truthful are tops on that priority list. Next, we have to be calm. It's really easy to get emotionally involved in the middle of a heated debate. I get it. Our beliefs are being challenged and it's easy to get very defensive. It takes emotional intelligence to recognize what's happening and appreciate we might be guilty of confirmation bias. That's self-awareness. Toss in the desire to guard our ego and things can get messy really fast. So we have to stay calm and in control. George Herbert said this, Be calm in arguing, for fierceness makes error a fault and true discourtesy. Next, be hopeful. When desperately trying to defend our position, it's super easy to lose hope. We get frustrated, angry. Research at the University of Massachusetts, Amherst, on international conflict resolution in places like Northern Ireland and the Middle East have found when leaders believe peace is possible, that attitude engenders compromise and forgiveness. Believing compromise is possible is the right attitude to have when having a disagreement with anybody. Next, be flexible. Many arguments occur because people have preconceived ideas that cause an automatic response. That is especially true in close relationships where patterns have developed and emerged over time. When it seems we are arguing about the same old stuff, we have to rely on a little flexibility, change up our demeanor and our typical reaction, and try to be a bit more affirming of the other person. It goes a long way to reaching compromise and consent. Census. And finally, we have to be kind. Not always easy, but if we pay attention to what's been happening in our politics for the past several years and well before that, we've seen a decline in decorum, defensiveness. It looks super ugly, folks, and very uninspiring which creates a myriad of negative emotions. Watching that, participating in that, is horribly toxic. We have to smile, be kind, and seek solutions, common ground. Even if we disagree with somebody, we always have to try to be kind. Humor works incredibly well, especially for couples that get so entrenched in their beliefs, they just start to hate each other. Sometimes we're just being ridiculous, trying to defend our position, and we have to recognize that. We have to stop 
Laugh a little, smile, diffuse the tension, get things back on track and take some of the raw emotion out of our disagreements and move in the direction of learning to see what we both can agree upon to reach some form of compromise. You know, discussion, that's an exchange of knowledge. Argument, that's an exchange of ignorance. Robert Quillian said that. Hope you benefited from these six quick tips on how to argue, have conversations, communicate a bit more effectively when things get a bit tenuous. I'm Steve Wollenhouse, and this is Anatomy of Success. Glad you joined us. Come back next week. Until then, let's stay focused, let's stay positive, and let's stay optimistic.